Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast. After we had a less than glamorous All Star break, uh, I'm your host Blake Finney, who's suitably topped up with Marmite and digestive bis- biscuits after a week back in England. We've got a great guest gracing our podcast this week. We could do little better than her. It's Chelsea James from the Washington Post. I hope you appreciate the three minutes I put into that intro for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very honored. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's great to have you on. Uh, Obviously, Chelsea is on to help us uh, kind of have a nice mid-season review now that we've uh, got the All-Star game out of the way. Uh, so unless you've been living under a rock for the last few days, uh, the All-Star game happened in DC this week. So on Monday, Bryce Harper stole the show, winning the home run derby. Uh, and I saw that you wrote a fantastic article about kind of what it meant to him and kind of the Nats fans in general. So what impression did you get from being there, maybe talking to some of the players around him afterwards? Um, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Um, I think it was like very striking to me, uh, the, the way Bryce acted and the way he spoke. You know, I think we've seen people come and go, um, and Bryce has just never really acknowledged that this might be his last year, and it felt like that whole day was just Bryce saying, I might be saying goodbye. and you know, the way he talked about Nats Park afterward and all the people and and what it meant, it was really revealing. I truly have not heard him speak that much in a year and a half. So it was, it was really kind of stunning to me. And I think it meant a lot to Bryce to feel like the fans loved him, which sounds really dumb, but I think that's something that matters to him and um, that we maybe like underestimate how important that is to him. So I think that was really special for Bryce and hopefully maybe I don't know, takes the pressure off or makes them feel a little better as they get in the second half. Yeah, I don't know if it has any actual um, effect on his performance, but kind of the emotion that that came out, you could see him back flipping at the end, the way he came out before the first round as well. And I think you mentioned it in your article. He hasn't, we haven't seen that from him for three, four years now. Yeah, it was like old Bryce, you know, it was like make baseball fun again, Bryce. So it was it was kind of crazy. And I, you know, I don't think we'll see a lot of that from him in the second half. You know, he's he's still kind of worn down, but maybe a little bit more because that's I think what people love about him, right? Is that this is fun and he's special and uh he enjoys it. So it was fun to see and and also it kind of made you remember how much this all has been weighing on him because you know how much he's changed since a few years ago because that we're so surprised to see him, you know, flipping a bat or having fun or something. It sort of tells you how far, how far out of that realm he's gone. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if it is some of the contract stuff. Obviously, that might be weighing on him. And to come into uh, the last couple of days where there's no pressure if he doesn't do well in the home home run derby, so what? Yeah, I I think the contract matters. I think. He always has a lot of voices, you know, trying to tell him what's right and what's wrong. You know, Scott Boris is never quiet and, you know, his family is very involved. And so I think there's a lot of pressure on him and um, to kind of come into a situation where it could be about him and the fans could let him know how it felt, how they felt, I think was really important just to kind of, you know, give Bryce his time. Uh, even though it always feels like it's Bryce time, I think it was nice for him to have a moment where it was about him and where he could remember that this city likes him and loves him and, um, you know, maybe that he hasn't sort of, it hasn't all been forgotten just because of one bad first half. 
yeah, absolutely. And yeah. You, get, you get some of the negative um, comments about him lately, but yeah, I think even he won over a lot of those, whether he keeps those, if he keeps struggling is another matter, but on the, on the whole, he's going to leave behind a fantastic legacy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you know, I, I think along, you know, even as recently as spring training, I would have said, I thought for sure he was gone, but I think as, as the performance has sort of dipped and the market has changed, you know, I don't know anymore. So I, you know, I think everything's sort of changing around him and the fact that, you know, he's shown how much he appreciates DC, uh, makes me think that he's starting to think about it and it's starting to become real for him. But yeah, no matter what happens, I think, you know, he's left a big legacy and there's no way Bryce Harper doesn't get cheered when he comes back and, and all that. So I think, uh, you know, the last few months have been kind of hard. I think there's been sort of a lot of, like you said, negativity, but when you look at Bryce Harper's nationals tenure as a whole, it's, it's positive and important and, you know, franchise altering for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other national who was taking part this weekend, Max Scherzer, started off the game. Uh, I did find one uh, interesting part in the build-up on TV. We got the little fist pump on camera. I love how he knew exactly where the camera was for that. And we, we'd never see that. We see Max completely locked in. Um, and kind of those, those first two hitters, obviously, before the judge home run, it did have flashbacks of Pedro Martinez in 99. Did it have that feel around Nats Park? Oh, for sure. I think I think you felt like he was going to strike out Trout, and that would have been something else. And then you'd sort of have Pedro on 99. We were talking about it actually up there, the, the exact same thing. So, But yeah, that fist bump made me laugh because Max is usually just in the zone. And all day he was like just talking and chatting. And I walked in the clubhouse and he said, hi. And I was like, am I allowed to talk to you? Like, aren't you pitching in a couple hours? He's like, yeah, I don't care. And I was like, really? So uh, yeah, he was soaking it up. But he, I mean, he's, this town's growing on him too. It's like, I think he came here thinking maybe he wasn't coming to a town that knew what it was doing, you know, for lack of a better phrase. And I think he has just been blown away by, by how much this town's gotten behind him. And yeah, that was, I, that, that stuck out to me too. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think he, there's been a bit of a debate whether it should have been Scherz or DeGrom. And obviously the hometown factor plays into that. And, kind of on the same level as Bryce, I guess. The crowd getting behind him, they were let's go max chance, I think. Uh, and he's, yeah. like say, he's really taken the city to heart. And you wonder if, assuming he does go into the Hall of Fame, I think it's at that point now where he's future Hall of Famer standard. Uh, mm-hmm. Is he going to go in as a national, potentially? I think so, for sure. I think he'll be the first one with a with a W on the hat, and that's really cool. I mean, he's like a perfect representative for that. Um, but yeah, this is this is his city now. I mean, Bryce is Bryce, but this is Max Scherzer's team. He was the one at the Capitals games, you know, yelling his lungs out. I mean, this is his this is his city, and it's you know it's well deserved because that guy does it all and and just sort of never stops working. Basically, he's sort of everything everyone thinks he is. Yeah. Um... I remember I, I went to my first Nats game in person last year. I ne- nearly got a Harper jersey, but I actually ended up getting a Scherzer one. Uh, so <laughs> I think that, that just goes to show kind of how big of an impact he's had. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so now we're going to look back on the first half, kind of a kind of segue. Uh, 
we've had Scherzer's dominance, but obviously on the whole, the team's coming out with a 500 record. Um, what do you think has been the biggest factor behind that record? Obviously, it's a collection of multiple things, but is there one thing that stands out more than most? Yeah, I think the rotation for the last month and a half, um, I think if you look at this team when they were healthy in May and everyone was in Strasbourg was there and Helixson was there, they were 20 and nine. They were exactly what you thought they would be. And then you lose Strasbourg, you lose Helixson, Tanner and Geo struggle, can't kind of fill the void and you're bad. I mean, we can talk about the offense or, or whatever, but I think ultimately the rotation is what held this team together. And then when it fell apart, they fell apart. And so, you know, I, for me, that's the biggest thing. Like if they're getting six innings, three runs, they're going to win games. The offense is going to come back to life. And even if it doesn't, they'll win enough of those games that they'll be fine. But they can't keep having, you know, be down six in the second inning, um, which has happened a whole lot. So I think for me, that's the thing that was demoralizing to them and really put a lot of pressure on the bullpen and the offense. And, you know, ideally, you know, Strasburg's going to start Friday night and, and Doolittle's supposed to be back and, and Zimmerman and everyone's kind of going to be back and you're going to get a look at this team as constructed. But, you know, as long as the rotation's there, I think that, you know, the rest will take care of itself. And for now, it looks like they're going to have it coming out of the coming out of the break. Yeah, I think, especially in that good month, I think, like you said, they were 20 and nine. And at the end of that month, they were the best in the National League, maybe kind of on a par with the Astros at that point. And then yep. Strasbourg went down, Geo started uh, not stranding those runners that he was allowing early on. Right. And I think Roark's regression is probably the strangest. He Coming into the year, he was probably the steadiest guy. Is there something going on there, do you reckon? Or is it just kind of a, a funk that he's in? You know, I've thought since like the beginning of last year, and he's not. Um, you know, I've been paranoid about that for a long time, that, that something's off. I think he's just a, a guy who gets off easily. Um, and I think mechanically he's been a little bit all over the place. I think you know, there's been a lot of moving parts, right? There's a new pitching coach, um, you know, sort of a whole new staff. I, I wouldn't underestimate the impact of losing Matt Wieters either. I think a lot of the guys really struggled with Pedro Severino back there. It's, it's no coincidence they were sort of better, you know, the last time out before the break when Wieters was there. So I think sort of a lot goes into it. But for me, I think the people that have helped Tanner correct these problems last year and, and in years past are, you know, were gone for that month. Um, whether it's Weeders, whether it's Mike Maddox, um, you know, I think he's just a guy who needs to be very careful that things don't get out of whack. And, and you know, they're just the support system wasn't there is sort of how I see it. So I think I think he's figuring it out. You know, he's he's a great guy who who desperately wants to do well. And I think now that he's sort of gotten more comfortable with the, the coaching staff and he's got Weeders back and he seems to have figured something out and remembered that he's actually good. Um, I think you can expect much better for him because, you know, he has no track record of being this bad for this long. And you sort of expect him to turn it around, as, you know, as long as he's comfortable and, and has the people around him to, to help identify problems before they get too bad. Yeah, hopefully he figures it out so we don't have to go through any more random facial <laughs> hair and hairstyles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> uh, kind of one of the more underrated aspects is how competitive some of the other Teams in the NL East have been, obviously, Phillies and Braves fighting it out at the top. And people did kind of disregard them. I think um, we had them as kind of a, a year away 
Is it surprising how well they've done to you? Oh, the Phillies not. The Braves definitely. I, I didn't expect them to be this good this soon. Like you said, I thought both of them were a year away, but I think that sort of the nature of baseball now is that like if you're a year away, then all, you, you just sort of arrive before that. It's sort of funny how that happens because there's no pressure, right? Um, but yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised the Braves have pitched enough, but it looks like they're here to stay. And, and now the Phillies are going to have all the money in the world to add. So um, it's dangerous. And I think it's going to be a, it's funny because it, you know, it was sort of the worst division in baseball for a couple of years there. And I think, you know, you saw the all-star game and I think the first four National League pitchers were all from the NL East. And it sort of stuck out to me as like, this is actually a division to be reckoned with now with, with the pitching, young pitching that's there and some of the young talent. So it's going to be interesting, but um, I think everyone sort of expects both those guys to fall off a little bit and, and there's every reason to, but it, it'll be really interesting to see what they do at the deadline because, you know, an acquisition here and an acquisition there. And all of a sudden, even if it's just psychological, maybe they even believe a little more and, and that could be more dangerous than anything because they're so young. They don't know that they're not supposed to be this good. And, and that's when crazy stuff happens. But yeah, we saw exactly that with the Nationals when they mm-hmm. came on in 2011 and 2012. They just mm-hmm. kind of arrived and played with no fear, uh, mm-hmm. even in the postseason against the much more experienced Cardinals. And were it not for the, the blown saving game five, who knows? Right. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, on a brighter note, going away from the, the struggles, uh, who surprised you the most on the team in the first half? Um, I mean, I think Juan Soto, you know, I, I had heard them talk about him for a long time. And when you hear people that scout or like Nationals player development, people say, oh, he's the best hitter we've ever seen. You're like, OK, sure. All right. Because <laughs> um, everybody's the best they've seen. But we were all like, no, no, really. Like this kid is actually the best hitter we've ever seen come out of the Dominican. And they were all very adamant that he was special. And um, so... I guess I'm not surprised he's good. I guess I'm just really surprised he's this good this soon. And, um, you know, the story I've heard over and over is that when Rizzo uh, first saw him, he he said, don't let that kid walk away without a deal, you know, in the Dominican. And, and they didn't. And it's obviously paid off, you know, big time. But just the way he's been able to sustain it at a level that, you know, we never thought he'd be at this soon or even maybe next year um, is pretty crazy. And has sort of altered the whole plan, I think, in that, you know, all of a sudden you don't worry as much about losing Bryce. You you pencil that kid in for years, but um, the composure is incredible. Uh, the swagger is is sort of incredible. And, and I think he's here to stay, which is crazy because he's so young. How old is he again? 19, I believe. Yeah, I think people should mention um, <laughs> Yeah, it comes up a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like you say, it, it's the fact that he's come on this quickly. He was in Hagerstown at, in right, right, and like I remember talking about him. We were like, right, keep him down, don't get too carried away. It's still only able, and then he gets to Harrisburg, um, and it just kind of goes from there. Like, if Howie Kendrick doesn't get injured, is he even here? And where are the Nationals yeah. then? Yeah, I mean, even if Victor Robles gets doesn't get injured you know is do we see Juan Soto so it's it's pretty crazy how that worked out um and sort of gives them a lot of flexibility moving forward right because now 
you look at that outfield and say, you know, you can trade Taylor if you want. You can definitely trade Goodwin if you want. You don't have to reach for Bryce Harper. You know, all of a sudden you feel better moving forward. And, um, yeah, it's kind of changed the whole complexion of things and, and, and makes the days when they were, like, reaching for Andrew Stevenson in the starting lineup seem like years ago, you know, that they were short on outfielders. And you, you can hardly imagine that now. Hmm. I think one of the other main surprises this season, maybe not maybe not as huge a surprise as Soto, is Matt Adams and how he's kind of mm -hmm. stepped up in Zimmerman's struggles early on and now Zimmerman's injury. Uh, and even actually playing a surprisingly good left field when he's been put there as well. Uh, how has he been around the clubhouse? Yeah, he's uh, he's surprising in a lot of ways. I remember the first time I saw him, he's like this big guy, right, with like all these tattoos and stuff. And, and I didn't know what to expect. And he's one of the nicest people in there um he's just like a, a true gentle giant he fits in great everybody loves him he's got this incredible relationship with Wilmer Defoe where I don't even know what they're talking about half the time but they seem to be enjoying it um so he's he's fitting great I was actually just talking to someone about how you know that's somebody you, you could extend I mean you know that guy is is good he is a good hitter he's found something here in DC he's found comfort you cannot count on Ryan Zimmerman for a full season um, you won't be able to count on him for a full season. So, you you know, he's – Matt Adams is somebody I think they should consider, you know, long-term. And nobody's told me that they are doing that. But uh, he's been such a good fit and such a prolific producer for them that um, you, you have to think about keeping him around because he's just been such a good presence and positive guy and, and seems to come through, you know, whenever they need him. Yeah, I think it was one thing that I was somewhat, somewhat worried about when they let Adam Lynn go – and you bring him mad, although he'd had an excellent season for the Braves. It was a bit of a step into the unknown. And, yeah, it would be pretty cool to see him extended. Even best-case scenario, you do keep Zimmerman healthy for the whole year. That's pretty much a perfect platoon uh, you've got there. Absolutely. And I'm really interested to see how it sort of plays out once Zim comes back this week and, and just how they, they mix that up. But, you know, it's going to be hard to keep Matt Adams out of the lineup and you know, he's certainly a great weapon off the bench if that's where he ends up having to be. Yeah, that's not a bad bench, Matt, to have. Uh, <laughs> the last player that um, probably worth touching on in terms of surprises is probably Jeremy Hellickson. Four and one, three, two, nine ERA. Not fantastic stats, but if you're plugging him in as your fifth starter, that's pretty damn good. Um, how, how is, well, what have you seen from him, I guess? Probably the best question. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been really good. And I think we are the, you know, he is so much less surprised that he is good than we are, that I think sometimes he gets a little offended by the questions, you know, it's like, you know, we're all like, wow, like, how does it feel to be this good? And he's like, well, I, I was this good before. And you're like, okay, well, um, but you know, he, he's been awesome. And, and I think he's shown that he's able to maintain that. And and he doesn't like it, but I think the way that they've handled him with not letting him face the, the third time through the order is perfect. I think that's what you got to do. Um, but he's been great for a fifth starter. And I actually said this to someone the other day, sort of half joking that, you know, if you go into a five-game series right now, who's your number three? Is it Jeremy Hellickson? And, and you know, just performance-wise, I mean, maybe. So I don't think that's actually how it would play out, but he's been that good. And, and that's one of those sort of Rizzo finds where you take a flyer and say, this guy's been good before he's got, you know, the makeup and, and the work ethic and you hope it clicks and it's clicked. And um, they've had a lot of success with guys like that. And 
Um, I think he's also been really helped by playing for a winning team and, and, you know, having something to sort of fight for. And he's going to be pretty crucial, you know, down the stretch for them because yes, it hurt when Strasburg went down. I think that was a big problem for the rotation, but it really messed him up when Hellickson was gone. So they don't have the people to fill in behind him. And, and, you know, if he keeps pitching like he's been pitching, they're, they're not going to need him. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing is some of those starts um, after he got a few in where they were still pulling him early. It, um, but the, I think the bullpen was quite overworked. And it was nice to see him go. I think he made it most of the way through the third time against the Mets in his last start. Do you think yep. that's going to be a, a theme or are they going to try and stick to that two times through the order moving forward? You know, I think ideally they're going to try to get him out of there before it escalates. Um, I think you're right that, that like for a while there, it was too much for the bullpen, but if, if everyone else is pitching the way they should, then you can sort of build up to that day, you know, and, and say, okay, we're going to need more on, on Hellickson day, but he's sort of earned the right to try. I just think it's a fine line because his numbers have proven that he's, you know, and sort of, we've watched it happen too, where it's like third time through the order, boom, boom, something happens. But, um, I think it'll really depend on how everyone else is pitching. If everyone else is pitching great, then they can afford to pull him and, and make that sort of a bullpen day. But that hasn't been the case. And if he continues, you know, especially against lesser lineups, and they're going to be facing a lot of lesser lineups in the second half, you can you can try and, and see if he can become a guy who can continually go seven or eight. But um, I think best case scenario, he's two and a half times through the order, get him out of there um, and, you know, hope your bullpen is rested that day. And then uh, have Max as a pitch the next day, hopefully. Right, right. That's the important part. <laughs> uh, so kind of looking ahead to the second half, I was looking at uh, MLB.com's postseason predictions. They actually probably slightly generous. They have the Nats at 58% chance to win the NL East and 54 for the wild card. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? It's a big hole to climb out of. It is. And they've never climbed out of a hole before. So there's no precedent. I am sort of of the mind that it's got to happen sometime and that this is a, a kind of a year that's lining up for them to do that, for them to sort of charge back and into the playoffs. But I wish I could answer this a week from now, like when we see how they play against the Braves, um, because I've been optimistic before. But I, I just think the boost of getting Strasburg back is really important. Um, I think they should win. Like they're, they're, it, at some point, it's like Adam Eaton said at one point, like you can only suck so long and I think they've been so bad that that's sort of the prevailing notion. And even I've heard Mike Rizzo say that it's like, at some point the injuries have to stop at some point it's got to correct, you know? So I, I think they're right. Like, I think they will be better. I just wonder if they'll run out of time and, you know, I guess we'll see, but I think if things go badly against the Braves, you know, next weekend or this weekend, whatever, um, that, that they could be in real trouble much faster than we sort of, think i guess yeah i think it's these next two series against the braves and the brewers that are going to say a lot if they lose more than they win go i think they've got three against the brewers so if they go like one and five two and four mm -hmm. um it, it really does start to grow into a bigger hole um obviously if they do then make it it probably stands them in much better stead than the uh the years they've won it so far where they've kind of coasted through september and I think Ryan Zimmerman mentioned something along those lines before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think I've, I mean, not, I'm not saying I have been calling this for years or something, but I, I think anyone who watches this team regularly has sort of come to the conclusion that like 
they need to be pushed, you know, and they need to learn that they can win when it's not just handed to them. And that if, if they had to fight and were to get into the playoffs, scratching and clawing, they'd win the whole thing because it's like, okay, we've done that. Like we've, you know, it's been hard. We've got the momentum, like, well, and then they cruise. Um, and you saw, that's what the Capitals did basically. It was like, once they got past their roadblock, it was like, and had a rough season and had to fight for it. It was like, you know, so I really believe that, but I think it'll be, you know, and, and a lot of the guys have said that Zimmerman said it, Max has said it, um, Adam Eaton said it. Um, I think, I, you know, even Davies sort of alluded to it. And, um, but the question is, can they do it? You know, can they get there? Um, but yeah, I think it would be really good for them to have to work through September and just sort of go into the playoffs knowing they've overcome something that wasn't easy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think if they are going to make it, they're probably going to have to buy at the deadline. It's um, kind of what we were touching on there. It's what's going to happen over the next few days. What sort of approach do you think they're going to take? Yeah, I, I mean, they're definitely buyers, not sellers, right? As of now, I don't, and I don't see them becoming sellers. I've, I've talked to Rizzo about this a lot and he's just not the guy to say, here, we're going to throw in the towel. Um, I can't, I personally think that they were going to go after Wilson Ramos and then Ramos got hurt. I think that was like an easy deal that I know they were looking into and talking their system. And then Ramos pulls a hamstring and it sort of doesn't, really makes sense to pay for a guy for a month and a half at that point. Um, so I don't know where they stand on that front now at all. I, I you know, I, I'm sort of panicking. I have no sense of, of what their plan B is. And I sort of wonder if they do. Um, but I, I think they're going to poke around the starting pitching market. And I, I would not be surprised to see them see if they can make the Real Muto thing happen, but they're not going to give up Juan Soto. I am 99% sure they're not going to give up Victor Robles. So you know, it would have to be Carter Keyboom or someone of that ilk. Um, but I think it, you know, it makes a lot of sense for them moving forward too. Uh, and it's the kind of deal Mike Rizzo likes to make where it, it it's not just this year, but it's it's next year and the year after. So I, you know, I think I don't know if they've pivoted that far yet, but I, I think you're right that you know they've got to get something, right? Like the, psychologically, even there's just gotta be an ad there um to make them feel like okay, we're we're better than we were. You know, we've got some reinforcements. Um, I just don't know what they're willing to pay and, and, and you know, how much sort of the Ramos thing threw a wrench in their plans. Yeah, I think he, he was the perfect fit. You get a low-cost catching upgrade. Ramos and Wheaters right. would be a pretty good one too. Uh, mm-hmm. On the Real Muto thing, it is, it's a weird one because I can't see the Marlins budging on that front. Maybe if it gets to the off-season, I think then he goes into arbitration this year or maybe he's already in it um but then if they can't extend him maybe they do go for keyboom potentially but then that's in the off season that's too late for 2018 yeah i i'm sort of interested you know i i think i i know that they know what it will take to get him right like there's no way yeah. mike rizzo's sitting there saying i wonder if this will do it like by now he knows like they've made the call they know what it'll take so I think it's probably at this point them weighing, you know, do we need it this badly? And I think the reason Carter Keboom's an interesting pick, you know, he's been untouchable before. And if the Marlins were to say, if you package something around him, that actually feels doable now because they've got this kid, Luis Garcia, who was also in the Futures game, who's the youngest player in high A right now. 
who's coming, right? So you've basically got two, you know, elite prospect middle infielders, and you only need one. You, you know, Trey Turner is not going anywhere. So you can sort of say, you know, we'll give you one of these guys and, you know, a package of other people, and we'll take Real Muto for, you know, however long. And so I think they're, they could deal from a position of strength in a way that maybe they haven't been able to before. And so I'll be interested to see if they pivot on that front. But if, if the Marlins want Juan Soto and you could, couldn't blame them for asking high, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it, it's funny that because in the offseason, it was all about, uh, it, it was somewhat controversial whether he should have given up Juan Soto for Real Muto. And obviously, right. Mike Rizzo, as he always does, looks like a genius. Right, right. He does always manage to do that. And uh, I'll be interested to see how this goes. Or or even if like they've been hyping Carter Keboom just for the purposes of this deal, you know, because they do that. They talk guys up. And so it, it'll it be interesting to see. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of, if he calls back, let's put it that way, and, and sees if they can get it done. Yeah, definitely. And I think touched on it, starting pitcher is probably... That's probably the more attainable target because obviously we catch up. There's no <laughs> middle ground now. You've either got to take an injured Ramos right. or Trevelli or Real Muto. But on the starting market, there's likes of Aavoldi, J.A. Haps there as well. If you want a rental, kind of do you sense the direction they're going to go? Are they going to go for one of these rentals or maybe someone with a little more control? So it's really interesting. Every time I've talked to them about this, they ask me, to look at the numbers of Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark, cover their names, and put them next to the numbers of all those guys you just mentioned. And in their mind, and when you do it, um, it's not a massive upgrade, right? I mean, Tanner's been bad, so the numbers aren't aren't great there. But it's like, do you really want to pay, you know, Cole Hamels, for example, is due 20 million next year, you know, 10 million for the rest of this year. $6 million buyout, I think, next year. So, like, are you willing to pay $16 million for Cole Hamels to have a 20 points better ERA than Geo? Like, it, it, I think in their mind, the upgrade isn't huge. So I will be really interested to see if they sort of change their philosophy and go for, like, a, a back-end guy, like a Tyson Ross or, or an Eovaldi or something, because they've never done that before. You know, they've never sort of just gotten a stopgap starting pitcher at the depth that um usually Rizzo is planning ahead which makes you know a Chris Archer guy make a lot of sense if they could pry him away but um it'll be really interesting and and he's never like let the rotation sort of totally be depleted you know when we thought they were loaded he signed Max Scherzer and and the Doug Fister deal was sort of a step ahead and this year you know Gio could be gone um you know they're gonna have holes to fill so it sort of makes sense that he'd be looking for someone controllable um but I don't know if the price tag is going to be too high, but it, the sense I've gotten from them every time is, is it really that much of an upgrade that we would give up all these elite prospects that it'll take, you know, for a few months. And I think their conclusion has always been no. And, you know, that could definitely change in the next two weeks though. But to this point, that's all I've heard from them. Yeah. And we've seen uh, injuries always seem to come at funny times, which again could change any trade plans really. Right. Absolutely. And and I'll be interested, you know, if they come out firing and beat the Braves and sweep them and whatever, and all of a sudden look great, then maybe that takes the pressure off. But uh, I think they need a starter. And if I, I always assume, like, if I think that, if, if you and I think that, um, that the people in the front office who dedicate their lives to that probably know that too. So I'm assuming that that's a market that they're, they're looking at pretty closely. Yeah. 
Um, kind of uh, going to the worst case scenario, if they do, say, get swept by both of these, then they're 12, 13 back. I don't think trading Harper is potentially realistic. It may not be worth souring that. But do you see any of the other pending free agents drawing any interest if they do go that route? I I just would be so stunned to see them sell off. I think the and I think the only one that I thought of was like Kelvin Herrera or Ryan Madsen. But I think both those guys have hurt their value by sort of looking shaky lately. But all of that is just so far away from me. You know, I Rizzo is just so anti-surrender, you know, for better or worse. I think in a lot of times that's great. Like I think his hard-nosed style is great. But I think in a situation, if it got to that point, I, I just can't see him selling those guys off because um, we've never seen it. And and also just because it's, you know, I don't know. It's 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 almost like it, it'd be tough for him to swallow emotionally or something. Um, but who knows? I guess we've never seen them out of it at this time of year. So if it got to that point, maybe that's the smart business decision. But um, those would be the only guys I could think of. Like, I don't think Murphy has a lot of value left. Uh, maybe Geo, but that would take so much. You know, they'd have to be so far back. So it, it makes me uncomfortable to even talk about because it's like I've never even talked to the, anyone about the possibility. You know, I have no sense of where they'd be because I don't think they've even like sort of let that cross their minds. Yeah, I think it, it's yeah. a strange situation because the two times that they haven't won the division the last few times, they haven't had that many pending free agents where they've got Murphy, Geo, Madsen. Matt Adams, if they want to go that route. Um, That's true. And I don't, it's not going to be a wholesale real, but that rebuild. They're not going to deal with the likes of Rendon. Right, and right, for sure. Anyone like that. They've, they've built, uh, built for the next few years at least. Like, so maybe you look to what the Yankees did. Obviously, yeah. they, got, they got good deals with Chapman and Miller, rebuilt very quickly for the next year and started competing again. So potentially something in that mold. Yeah, I think that would have to be it. And again, like I don't see them selling off, but that would be it because there's no way, like you said, they're not going to sell off and they shouldn't. I mean, even if Bryce leaves and Murphy leaves, your lineup is, you know, and Harp, yeah, yeah, Bryce and Murphy leave. You have Soto, Robles, Eaton in the outfield, right? Rendon, Turner, somebody at second. Zim at first, and you basically end up needing a second baseman and a catcher, and and you can probably find that right. So like they're fine with Max and Strasburg at the top of the rotation and do little closing. You know you're you're okay, um. So you don't have to rebuild, but yeah, I mean there's definitely a scenario where you could get a lot back, especially because Rizzo has such a history of of finding these like random prospects and deals that you don't think about that turn out to be Tanner Roark or or whoever. So um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility, but it's just tough for me to see them doing it because we've never seen them do it and because I think it would be a real hit to everybody's pride if they ended up having to. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, so looking ahead to the first series out of the break, they're going to be uh, playing the Atlanta Braves. I think it's, uh, it is the make-or-break series because then you've got mm -hmm. the Brewers and Marlins. So facing someone ahead of you in the division, the Braves – 52 and 42, five games mm -hmm. ahead of the Nats. Uh, which players are you interested to watch this series? And uh, I've got a little Freddie Freeman Claxon. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I mean, Freddie, he's, man, he kills these guys. Um, 
you know, I think Strauss is going to be really interesting. I think he could be really, really good. It feels like every time he comes back healthy, he's just absolutely ridiculous. So that could be quite a boost for them. You know, I think it's really smart of them to start him in the first game back because of that mental boost. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see where Zim fits into all this because, you know, like they've been fine at first base without him. Um, so that'll be interesting. But you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how they handle the Brave starters too. Like I said before, I just like never thought they were that good and they just haven't been able to do much with them this year. So I'm wondering if maybe second and time, you know, third time seeing them, if all of a sudden they can maybe make that adjustment because um, they got kind of blown away earlier in the year. So that'll be really interesting, but you know, and then obviously Bryce, like does the home run derby actually matter? Who knows? But um, there's, it's, it's crazy how much these games matter and It'll be really interesting to see how everything sort of comes together or doesn't. I think the the roster move for Zimmerman is going to be particularly mm -hmm. interesting. So he's on the sixty day DL at the moment, so they've got to clear a space on the forty and twenty five. Yeah, I think the obvious candidate might be Mark Reynolds. Is that what you think as well? I do, um, and I think a lot of people will think like, how can you let that dude go? He's he's done so much, but let, when you look at their career numbers, it's not close. I mean, Mark Reynolds is a streaky guy who had a really nice stretch, but will go into a down stretch again. And, and Zimmerman, for as bad as he was early in the year, he's, he's just a better all-around hitter, I think. So um, I think that is the easy move. But I wouldn't be surprised to find them find a way to have them find a way to keep Mark Reynolds around either. You know, I they we saw it with like Dan Ugla and Tyler Moore in years past where they've just like kind of hung around somehow. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be super interesting um, to see how they handle that because Reynolds has been so good, but he's not Zimmerman, and and obviously like you're not going to not activate Zimmerman, or I don't know where else you could subtract. So it's going to be a really interesting day, and and plus with Sharper coming back, somebody's going to have to get sent down, and if Doolittle comes back, somebody's got to go. So that's going to be a not a bloodbath, but it's going to be something to see for sure. Yeah, I think we. I think Trevor got got sent down in the week, which is probably just to get back to Syracuse. I think Suero is another one who's going to get optioned. Obviously, they've yeah. shuttled him between the majors and AAA. I've actually been quite impressed by him. It's just kind of a numbers game. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So God, God will clear either Doolittle or Strasburg space, and and you would imagine Suero will go, but. Um, He's been good. I mean, he's been really good. It's, it's hard to sort of imagine that he and Sammy Solis could be sitting in, in Syracuse, but um, I guess that's the depth, and Dakota Glover's coming back now too, so it'll be interesting. I, they could have a really interesting roster when it expands in September with all these guys coming back. <laughs> they might need a 45 or 50. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so we're going to look ahead to each of the matchups individually. So obviously Steven Strasburg coming back on Friday to face Anibal Sanchez. Strasburg 6-6 six and six with a 3-4-6 ERA. Anibal Sanchez, kind of a surprise. He looked like he was on mm -hmm. the downturn in his career, 4-2, and 2-6-0, and allowed just two hits and one walk, one walk over seven innings and five strikeouts in June. So on the name value, it seems a bit one-sided, but obviously Sanchez has had a nice year this year. Yeah, he shut these guys down for sure. A lot of people did. Um, I think that's like an absolute must-win game for that reason. You know, like they should beat up on Annabelle Sanchez. Um, and so I think if they're right, they will. Um, but it's, yeah, that's a really interesting and telling matchup, I think. Because, you know, it's like 
Steven Strasburg, if 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 you look up and see him with a two six zero, you say, yeah, okay. You see Annabelle Sanchez with a two six zero, you say, okay, yeah, sure. And I think they need to sort of help him go back to where he belongs in terms of numbers because you know he was not. I mean, he he dominated them, but there was no point where they looked overpowered or or anything like that. It sort of just felt like they weren't weren't there that day. So I think you know those are the guys they've got to start really beating up on in the second half because. You know, the Annabelle Sanchez's of the world, with all due respect, can't be holding them, you know, down like he did before. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Strasbourg had actually had a couple of promising outings on rehab in his last one. He mm-hmm. went five and two thirds, five hits, uh, all unearned runs, seven strikeouts. So they've also got the flexibility of a fully rested bullpen. So if they only want to send him out for five, six innings, they can do that. Is that something that you could see as well? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think if he's back, he's ready to go. Um, but yeah, and you know he's put a priority on being efficient too. So I would imagine that he's gonna you know try to give him seven or eight. But um, you know, it's I could see them being careful with him for sure, just because he's so important. But um, yeah, I I bet they'll be more careful with him Friday than they will be moving forward if all goes well. Hmm. Second up on Saturday, it's Gio Gonzalez against Sean Newcomb. Gio Gonzalez six and six with a three seven two. Sean Newcomb eight and five with a three five one. And this feels probably the most evenly matched of the um, of the series. Although not sleeping on Fultonavich in the last one. Um, right. They both they both got off to good starts and both have struggled. Um, so how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I just, again, I think it's really important. You know, Gio's last start was pretty good. I think it was like two runs in six innings or something like that. Um, so it, he's got to keep keep that going, right? Like he has to to give them that. Nugent was pretty good against these guys and they struggled a lot against lefties, but this is where you see if Ryan Zimmerman matters, right? Like, you know, he'll be back and, and presumably he gets, you know, gets in there against the lefty and and you can see what kind, what this lineup looks like with him healthy. Um, you know, with Trey hitting, um, you can get Michael Taylor in there. So it, it's sort of a, a good test for them, I think. But yeah, if you're going to drop a game, that has to be the only one you drop. And, and you you know, again, I don't think they can really pencil in any losses here, but um, Newcomb's been really good. And so, you, you know, and they've struggled a lot against left-handed pitching and it'll be interesting to see if, if they can, you know, if Zimmerman helps or makes much of a difference at all. Mm. Yeah, I think it. They had uh, going into the break. They had quite a few matchups that weren't in their favour. They always seemed to find a way right. to face the team's ace. They faced Aaron Nola against. I think it was right. on that day. Right? Yep. Uh, yep, so yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In this series, you actually get some nice favourable matchups, and they all could go. What could go one way? Like that's sweet. Could go the other way. The Braves could sweep if they get a nice outing from Sanchez potentially. Yes. Absolutely, because like you said, Fultonavich is uh, is no joke. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, quite something in the All-Star game. Did he hit 99? He might have hit triple figures. Yeah, I mean, I, I at least 99. I mean, he's he's something else. I mean, I think the thing with him is he, if you talk to the players, they never, like the stuff has always been there, but he's like starting to figure it out now and, and get smarter. And um, a lot of people always said if he got smarter, he'd be really good. And it's apparently he's getting smarter because he's getting really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Mike Fultonavich faces up against Max Scherzer. I think Fultonavich relieved Scherzer in that game. Um, Scherzer twelve and five, yep. two four one. Fultonavich seven and five, 
266. I'm secretly hoping for Foltinavich to give up about 10 unearned runs because I've got him in my fantasy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a pretty good pitching matchup. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. And I think that's one of those ones where you see if the Nats have adjusted and if they can wait him out. Because if this lineup's right with all the left-handed power they've got with Soto and Murphy and Adams and, and up and down, Eaton, you know, all those guys, like they should be able to work a guy like that. Um, and you'll, you know, I think in the first half, a lot of times they just weren't disciplined enough to do that for whatever reason. But if they can, they can do that, they're going to be in good shape. And I just realized I, I listed all the Nats left-handed power and left out Bryce Harper, which tells you sort of how, how his first half went. And it's sort of stunning to me when I think about it. Yeah, um, we saw Fulton Davis dominate them two hit 11K complete game in June. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that we probably haven't seen enough from this team is manufacturing runs. Obviously, Dusty Baker was a big fan of bunting runners over, and we haven't seen David Martinez do that a lot. Is that something that may change in this game against someone like Fulton Davis? It's funny you say that. He actually said um, yesterday we were just sitting around talking and he said that's going to change. Like he he needs to bunt. He thinks that as he's been thinking about it and as, you know, when they got to the all-star break, like that's, you know, he thought this lineup would start to just sort of correct itself and it hasn't. And so his thought process is, okay, then we're going to have to go bunt Matt Wieters like they did, I think, in the game before the break. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he has said that now. And I think that's really interesting about him that, you know, he's not going to be rigid. He's going to say, okay, well, we got to try something else. And um, whatever you think about him, you'd rather have him be willing to experiment than not. So I think that's really telling, and it'll be really interesting to see how much difference that makes. Yeah, even though he's on yeah. a contender, he is still a rookie manager. So you got to, although you want the expectations sky high, you've got to bear that in mind. And uh, as long as he's learning, we should kind of roll with it, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, we didn't get to see Dusty Baker in his first year or anything like that, right? Or Joe Madden. I'm sure there were similar, you know, learning curves. And I think the main problem with Matt Williams was the rigidity and, and presumably, you know, you'd rather have a guy that's going to be open to it. Maybe it doesn't pan out in the end anyway, but I guess that's better than the alternative. Mm. And at, at the very least, Davey Martinez has the whole clubhouse on his side. We've heard Bryce Harper more times than we can count singing his praises. Um, is that the consensus across the whole clubhouse, I guess? Um, I don't think the whole clubhouse is totally sold. You know, I think they've got a lot of veterans who know better and, um, you know, who not know better, but like have been around enough to sort of know exactly what's best or have really strong opinions. So I think a lot of them are still sort of like waiting it out to see how it all goes, you know? Um, but I think there are a lot of people that love the the energy. Like the thing that everyone says to me is he's such a great guy. And I think that when you start there, there's a much better chance that you're going to get to, he's a good manager than if, you know, you're not sold on the person and they're all sold on the person. And I think that's really important. And, and the people who aren't sold are sort of just kind of waiting to see how he handles everything as it goes forward. I guess that's probably how he got the job in the first place. Yes, exactly. I think he's got a reputation for being a good guy who cares about people. And if you start there, you have a much better chance of, you know, ending somewhere good than than the alternative. Mm. Uh, just to kind of wrap us up, we did have one listener question, although we did well, we did have a few more that we kind of covered off in the main part. Um, is Adam Eaton going underappreciated in the Nats outfield? Obviously, Bryce Harper's getting a lot of the attention for the wrong reasons. So he's getting the attention for the right reasons. And then 
Eaton, when he's played, has been one of the best outfielders in the National League, probably. Yeah, I think he's been really underappreciated, and I think he needs to play more. I don't think you can platoon Adam Eaton anymore. Um, I think on a team that's like kind of desperate for energy and grit, he is that. Um, and also, just the—I mean—the numbers are there. You know, we we all saw that trade, and we were like, "What the heck is going on?" But then you look at the numbers, and they've been exactly what Rizzo thought they would be. Um, and so it's it's kind of remarkable to me that he's not in there, you know, more even. Um, although the health is obviously concerned, but yeah, I think he's. He's, you know, an underrated part of this team that might very soon be getting the attention he deserves as, you know, they go through the second half and, and you know, maybe he plays a little more and, and stuff. But he's been a huge impact player. It seems like every time he's in there, he's made a difference. And, you know, they need those guys right now. They can't be sort of sitting those guys. Yeah, it was fun when we were pegging him for MVP after three days. Um, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Do you see him playing centre field at all? We saw that on rehab. Obviously, he's gone with Harper for now. Harper's been average, but I guess naturally it feels like a better field the other way around. Yeah, um, I think I don't think we'll see him out there. I don't think they think he's he's got the same kind of speed that he used to. Um, and also, he's an elite corner outfielder. It's really interesting when you look at the metrics, or at least I haven't looked since since the winter, I guess, but. You know his career numbers in the corners are really good defensively, and then in center he's he's below average, I think. Um, so I think they just think he's more of an add in the corners than you lose with Harper in center. But your best defensive outfield is Michael Taylor in center and Adam Eaton in in the corners and and figure out the rest. But we won't see that very often, I don't think. Yeah, it's just one thing one thing to watch, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that pretty much wraps up. I want to say. Thanks to Chelsea for joining me. You've been fantastic, giving us great insight. I'm pretty sure all of our listeners will know where to find you. So have you got anything <laughs> uh, coming up that we should be keeping our eyes out for? No, I don't think so. Just the usual. So if it, <laughs> yeah, just the usual. Uh, so remember to check out some of our content on site this week. Uh, coming out Thursday morning, Brian polled some of our writers for our own mid-season review. I've kind of given away my thoughts, but... Uh, you can get get the rest of ours there. And I also wrote about how Ryan Zimmerman, kind of using the old cliche, coming back as good as a trade, hopefully. Remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spreaker, where you'll get episodes automatically downloaded for you. We'll be back at the weekend as we get our first look at the Brewers and hopefully after a series win against the Braves. So we'll see you then. <laughs>